Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast presented by Zwift, who are also sponsoring the Young Riders jersey in both the men and women's TDU. But we have stage two, the penultimate stage of the Women's Santos Tour Down Under. And this was a cracker, actually. I really like this finish. And I would think stage design-wise, there is really something to for other organisers to take note of here, 90 k's from Birdwood to Uradla. Birdwood is out to the north, uh, northeast of like Mount Torrens and Lobethold, deep in the Adelaide Hills. And they come, they do a loop north, then do a punchy climb at Cat 2. So a few QOM points. Benji's Gladys for Holst, I'm sure, taking note. 1k, 6.5%. <laughs> and then it's just the hills is all like. Around that region, it's all up and down, no like steep extended climbs, but it's just lumpy and tough. And it was pretty warm today as well. They then came south into Summertown, where there was a second intermediate sprint before the 6Ks, 3.2% Cat 1 up Mount Lofty, up to about 700 meters altitude, before a stepped descent towards Uradla. So not descending fully into Adelaide, it was not that long a descent, and also not that hard a climb, you know. It was basically false flat uphill for 5Ks and then a 5% 1K section, 5.5%. So not that hard a profile from what it looks like, but it could be made hard with strong teams. Uh, but the intermediate sprints, Benji, both in the men and women's races, are crucial for bonus seconds, particularly on parkour where there isn't those really hard climbs. That's, again, Grace Brown taking more bonus seconds, which I didn't expect the last two days. Yes, for certain. And we need to add to this that in men's cycling, you often have like the early breakaway that takes these IS points, intermediate sprint points very early on. But here in the women's Santos with an under, that hasn't been the case in the races. As in, we haven't had breakaways yesterday in stage one. That was a long time without a breakaway. Stage two, very similar. And Sanguinetti is the one that took the three seconds on the first intermediate sprint here ahead of Grace Brown, like you mentioned. So two seconds for her. Loretta Hansen has been riding really strong as a domestique here for Trexiga Fredo, taking one second there as well. Maybe that's taking it away from uh, from riders from Jayco and so forth, so that would be useful. Now, the race continued, and there's a QM point just after this first intermediate sprint. Gladys Verhulst, you said it, is uh, the champion of QM points when it comes to the early ones in these races. She's channeled her inner climber, and she's attacked the peloton Together with Clara Steeles from Israel, who also is riding pretty strong in the Santos with an under. So those two riders fighting it out for those QM points. And Gladys Verhulst takes the, uh, I think, seven points on that climb. And she's now on 10 points after this one. So she's doing pretty good. She's doing pretty good. So um, TDFF, that's it. QOM? Question mark? Uh, 2023? I tried last year, but yeah, it didn't really work <laughs> out. <laughs> she could be, so, um, yeah, like Jeffrey Bouchard. Well, yeah, but the issue, him, <laughs> the issue is that the breakaway doesn't win the mountain stages here. I know. In yeah. the Tour de France Femme. So it's going to be very difficult for Gladys for Hills to do so unless she becomes the, the brand simply new Simply beat French. Van Lurten. Uh, yeah, exactly. I've been saying it for years. It's, it's that simple. Yeah. I don't know why riders don't do that. It's like the go-to yeah. strategy being better than Van Lurten, but they don't do it. Anyway, 30 kilometers to go. We see some moves by other riders as well. And a, a group kind of forms ahead. Lauren Stevens, McMullen, Gilman, Howe, the rider that you first presented as the top three rider in the Ronde van Vlaanderen in uh, the Israel preview. That uh, No, the Jayco preview, sorry, wrong team. And, uh, well, we'll see if that happens. 
but I'm adding Rory Chapman that to that ahead. as well. So Turad is on the top three. Yes. Okay, I'll allow it for this. And then I'm going to find another Australian or Kiwi rider, and I'll put them in in a couple of weeks too. Full Australasian podium. Okay, I, 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 I I'll allow it. <laughs> the Chapman one's it. not that hot a take, actually. <laughs> It's actually great because your takes make mine look good, even though I'm completely <laughs> wrong most of the time. Anyway, Emily Watson there as well has been pretty strong as well. I think in the uh, in the Bakerits earlier this uh, this month, Taylor Wiles in there for Trexa Gafeda, which is important. Gilman, I said earlier, was for FDG. So the dynamic between the Brown team and the Chapman team and Sprat team is notable there. Edwards in there stills, Beisman and Wales, not the country, the rider. Well. Is it a country, Wells? I don't even know. But anyway, we'll continue on. This group stayed ahead for a tiny bit, but not too long, actually, because we had responses and attempts from behind to try and bridge up and so forth. And I think it was Lisa Klein that tried to bridge up at a certain point. What situation do you think they were trying to create there? Well, this is why these false flat drags, it's... And I mentioned it yesterday. It's kind of like the start of the Glubier. Obviously, we're not doing the Glubier here, but it's... <laughs> draft is still really important. But also, it's yeah, draft is important, but also it is sufficiently hard enough that you can get separation on certain points. Like it's not that flat. And Klein, I thought, was a perfect candidate to try and bridge across because she has that TT background. She wasn't. She wasn't really able to make it work. Slash, I mean, it's tough to always see with the ad breaks here in Oz or with the the tree canopy comes across the road a fair bit um maybe they also reacted on her jaco alula was sort of jaco alula were not letting trek have it all their way today yeah. they were sort of being like no we're we're happy with a group a reduced group sprint we're not going to let you flow numbers ahead and numbers ahead by the way would have been really important like if there was a satellite rider ahead for what would come later in the stage. But before we get to where this stage really kicked off the last 30 minutes, if you want to rewatch a stage, I thought were really, really exciting. I'll mention the Zwift Hub Challenge on Strava. Ride 25 kilometers to unlock 50 US dollars or 50 pounds off a Zwift Hub and a chance to win $1,500 worth of indoor cycling tech. It runs from now until the 29th of january 13 days left and it's just 25 kilometers of of riding whether it's hand cycle or ride virtual ride and you get 50 bucks or pounds off a swift hub which i actually saw lorenzo germani one of the like famous not famous famous in my mind <laughs> from the fdj conti team he might be famous in the future super famous um he was trying it out at the Zwift booth in the Tour Down Under uh, village. He wanted to really try it, <laughs> which was kind of interesting. He was like, oh, I don't really train indoors. And he went and yeah, had to go on the Zwift hub. In, if you're in Adelaide, go and check out the Zwift booth as well. They've got um, the bike set up and the Zwift hub if you want to see it in the flesh. But yeah, that's a really good deal, getting another 50 pounds or dollars off what is already the best value for money trainer on the market. But yeah, we come up to uh, the intermediate sprint just after Summertown. There was a little rise before there. And to be honest, Trek stopped. They didn't do what I said yesterday. I was like, oh, maybe they'll use attacks, etc. Chapman's in a domestique role pretty clearly here. And I was yep. like, oh. And to be honest, it makes sense from what we see afterwards. They're going all in for Sprat on GC. They pretty much locked the stage down at this point. Claire Steeles is able to 
get the intermediate sprint three seconds, and then I'm not sure who took the other bonus seconds. Um, Manly and in, Brown. Manly and Brown. So Manly took another second back. So Brown was still ahead of her on GC. But yeah, Chapman just starts pacing super hard on the last rise. Really strong pull from her up to Mount Lofty on this false flat drag. The group is thinned out. It's It was 30 riders at points. By the way, Oka jersey's gone. Pick a look at this point. Um, all the pure sprinters are gone. And yeah, she's just thinning it out. No one can attack. And they get to the steeper, the steepest part of this climb. Sprat goes. Brown's not really had to do anything. And the gap just explodes. This is one kilometer five percent. And the gap just pops open. And I'm like, holy, I haven't seen Sprat do that for years. Um and Matt Keenan, I interviewed him, um, which I'll play now. Amanda Sprat will win the women's race. She's got an awesome team around her at Trek, and Brody Chapman will do the job to help her win. He must have known something. Like or Spratmaster, I reckon, told him or maybe just had faith in her that she was in really good shape because, yeah, she's like, she has been really good in Australia before, but this climb wasn't that hard. Were you surprised to see Benji, first of all, Brown not able to get on her wheel, and second of all, that Trek basically just went pace and Sprat could smash? Yeah, exactly. It was like Sprat went, and it wasn't even Brown that was the one closing down the gap initially because Manly was the one that, had the solo uh. chase going on with Brown doing the chase in third as a solo rider. So we had like three riders chasing each other solo and a fourth group with the likes of Luz Adiges that was also in there for FDG and the other riders that we just mentioned like Chapman and so forth and also Roseman Gannon, etc, etc. So that situation is what gets us towards the top of Mount Lofty, but it starts changing a bit because... Brown overtakes Manly, who gets called by the group behind. So we now got two solo riders up front. Solo rider at the front is still Sprad. Gap is roughly 15 seconds, I think, towards Brown. And the third group rides just behind Grace Brown. And that's where it starts getting intriguing when it comes to FDJ, because they've got Luz Adegist in that third group. By the way, Luz Adegist, I swear that was the rider that put her watts on, on Twitter like a few years ago, then eventually got a... Um, a role at the ICBC continental team and a year later is now at FDG. So has made real steps up and has been really strong in those races and shows it once again right here because she attacks the third group towards Grace Brown and she starts pacing for Grace Brown in the second group, which on one, it's kind of like what Soler did on the Granon stage where he tried to attack towards Pogacar to help him out. But it really... It's difficult, eh? Because Luz Adegist gets to Grace Brown, but she also just spends energy closing down Grace Brown. So she doesn't have complete energy anymore, so they kind of both fall back towards the, the group that Luz yeah. Adegist just attacked from. But they keep on pacing, and the tempo in that second group is good enough to keep the gap towards Pratt, but i got to be honest, we're talking about six, seven, eight kilometers to go at this point, and riders start coming back to the second group. So I'm kind of like, oh, maybe the gap's exploding when it comes to Sprad, but that wasn't the case. They stayed the same, but more domestiques came for the second group. Gilman was there, Duval was there, so two extra riders for FDG. Now, these riders have been dropped, so I don't expect them to make the uh, to move the needle significantly, but an extra rider is an extra rider when it comes to the chase. Did you believe with, like, let's say, six kilometers to go that Amanda Sprad could be taking home the victory here? 
I wasn't sure of the time gap. I mean, when I initially saw Archest and Deval pulling, I thought Sprat's got zero chance, zero on the sort of false lap descent. It's such an advantage to have the draft, and Sprat is a really small rider as well for starters. Um, even if she has the best legs in the world, the parkour is just not helping her at this moment. This is why I mentioned if she had Elisa Klein there, waiting yep. out of an art style on Lofty, GC would be finished <laughs> already. Um, <laughs> but she didn't, and she mentioned in the post-race interview, it's a slog in that hills region just up and down and draggy and yeah just huge advantage for brown jaco alula were not helping they had manly and roseman gannon in the group ef tibco silicon valley bank uh also were not helping and they had numbers um i was like okay maybe ef were planning on a counter move late i think jaco alula would just they were just risking it they were just like, if we help, yeah. then we lose the advantage of having two potential stage winners who can use be be used to their advantage in the final. And the FTJ are pulling, and also maybe they could see uh, Sprat ahead. Like we didn't really see the level shots for a long time. Maybe they could see her ahead in those long drags. I'm not sure, uh, but at a certain point, I thought. I did think, wow, they someone needs to help FDJ because they're throwing GC for themselves. Um, I also yep. thought maybe Brown was going going back. Like, I guess Brown has to react on on Sprat, but you're right. It's like there's no advantage by both the rider attacking to her and her still pulling. You may as well just fold back into the group and just start the chase. But yeah, it was it was really exciting. I hoped you know Sprat had done all that to stay away. We'll see how that affects her tomorrow. But eventually she got caught, I think, with Frain attacking. Um, Roseman Gannon closing it down, I think. Because No, no, before I've... then, before then a rider like Frain attacked um, yeah, yeah, and yeah. closed it down further, maybe EF as well. And then, yeah, in the last 1,500 meters, Roseman Gannon like fully kicked doing a lead out. Yeah, she fully kicked and she closed the last gap towards Amanda Spratt. So I feel like at this point... You could say, oh, is Jaco once again doing it too early because they're having their lead out? Roseman Gannon going at 1.5k roughly to close down Amanda Spratt. But it's also kind of if they don't do that, if they don't close down Amanda Spratt, the last like 50 meters that was left at that point, what then? Is the tempo going to stop? What is going to happen when it comes to EF? Is EF going to take over? So I think they just wanted the gap to be closed down. So I'm not going to destroy them too hard for deciding oh, to no, actually no but it was an attack the there was no one on her wheel i it was I'm, a reverse lead i'm not up. certain i'm not no, certain no, about she it. she attacked and then okay. manly got to sit on grace brown and grace brown had to close in the wind it completely burnt grace brown okay then, that, then it's very much useful then it's very much yeah. useful and so instead of doing a lead out i don't know she mentioned that they yeah they floated that as a tactic um, yeah. rather than sort of yesterday just doing an early lead. I, I think it was a good move. Yeah, we see that EF has three riders. You mentioned it earlier. And once Roseman Gannon has caught up with Amanda Spratt and the rest of the group comes back, it really comes down to EF that moves to the front and starts doing a lead out. But it's not with three riders. I don't think Doble Hickok was really a part of the, of the lead out here for Georgia Williams. It was Abby Smith that was doing so. And... That's really how we go into the final corner. Abby Smith leading out Georgia Williams. We've got Alex Manley together with Daniele Di Francesco in like third and fourth wheel. Di Francesco is a 
Also a fast rider, was good at the Bay Crits at the start of the year. I think fifth in the uh, Australian Champs as well. Nina Beismann there for Human Powered Health. So that's a situation going into the final. Roseman Gannon not really there anymore because she spent her, her bickies, as you would always say, a tiny bit earlier in that move. And we were going to a final sprint day. Was EF going to make it with Georgia Williams? Was Manley going to take them over towards the end? A rider that I think you mentioned yesterday that could win today's stage. It was either Manley or Roseman Gannon that we brought forward. But did Manley take up winning the stage? Well, she she obviously knew the parkour really well because I thought, ooh, 200 meters bursting through. I don't know about that with EF having numbers and... I didn't realize how sharp that corner was and she got to basically freewheel through that corner for like three seconds whilst taking up primary position. And then once she was able to kick out of that corner, she is the better sprinter out of this group. She had the EF rider off the wheel Williams, I think already. So her taking front position for that corner with speed was really, really like obviously the best strategy and she won the sprint <laughs> pretty comfortably ahead of Georgia Williams on EF Education Tipco SVB. Nina Boisman third, all in the same time. Brown fifth, I think on another day she probably takes bonus seconds, but great work yeah. from Duval and Adhes. They really saved her GC today, at least for now. Spratt still, even though she was caught, was on the same time. Uh, Ali Wollaston led the group in behind a full minute 38 behind. So the revised GC is Manley goes into the lead eight seconds ahead of Brown, eight seconds ahead of Williams, 13 ahead of Roseman Gannon, and more importantly, 14 seconds ahead of Spratt. So it's tight, but 14 seconds is a lot of time too. So when let's let's run through the stage tomorrow from Adelaide. Um, they start, I think, in New Montague Road in the north northeast. Then they just start climbing uh, towards <laughs> Lobethal. They do like a 4K, 4% climb, not that hard to start. It's 93Ks. Pretty. There's an uh, intermediate sprint at Lobethal after a little climb. I think that climb can be used um, by whichever team. Haven't thought yet. Then another intermediate sprint, this one on a little rise again in Gumaraka. And then sort of a false flat, fast descent, and then they do the corkscrew. Two point four k's, nine point one percent. I'm not. I'm really not sure. I don't know I've done a corkscrew a fair few times. It says on the profile it's five hundred meters at sixteen percent. I don't know, mate. It doesn't feel. Never felt like that to me. Maybe because I was, <laughs> I was a lot fitted back then. Five hundred meters, sixteen percent, super hard. I know the hairpins are hard, but I don't know. It's still going to be a really hard climb. And then a 8k yes seven and a half eight k descent into the finish yeah. um in campbelltown i think there's a right turn or oh, that they do as well the same in the men race i don't see like sprat should just win this stage right like based on what we saw today the question for me now is can she take say manly takes more bonus seconds in the two intermediates can she win by over seven seconds plus the 10 bonus plus manly takes no bonus behind or brown or if manly takes six seconds behind that's also possibly then it's even harder for sprat to win but i yeah. agree what we saw today was sprat dropping the rest on a gradient that was nowhere near what the course crew climb is so on paper based on stage two amanda sprat 
drops people on the next stage. Now, everything can change from day to day, and there might be race situations before that climb that change up the race. Is there much you can do before the corkscrew climb? I'm not really certain about it. I think people Chapman, will go for those. Policing. Yeah, true. Definitely. But also other teams that might want to police. Like, I'm not sure. If you're like Jayco Alula, are you willing to risk it by going early with a Manly or a Roseman Gannon? Well, probably Manly in this situation. Early before Corkscrew Road, getting into a group ahead, because that might ruin her for the final climb if the if the if the move fails. So I'm not sure they will make that move. I feel like they might play it more safe and hope that Manly survives that final climb, try and get the bonus seconds at Lobatol and Gumaracha. So like but Brown also pretty damn good at getting those points eh, it seems like yeah. the last few days. So I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. I feel like I don't expect Manly to just take six seconds on Grace Brown at these intermediate sprints. So but I mean, and then does Brown even Brown, matter for Wes GC? Brown, she's on eight seconds. So say she's... she say she gets to six seconds on Manly. Yeah. If Sprat attacks and she's able to stay with her, she should work with her, right? Yeah, she should work so, with her yeah. and then she'll probably she win would. the sprint. Even if she doesn't win the sprint, she still wins GC. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. she's definitely still in there for GC. It's yeah. between Brown, Sprat, and Manley. But based on what we saw today, the fact that Sprat made 15 seconds on a, a very low gradient climb, yeah, I would expect her to take like 20 seconds by the top of Corkscrew. But it's a steeper can they too. pull it back? Will Roseman Gannon be with a Manley? Sprout should just fucking ruin them tomorrow for real. <laughs> corkscrew. Like in those hairpins, she should straight up ruin everybody. Like I think it could be thirty seconds. Like how I mean fifteen seconds on that climb today. She's in that form. Um and as to your point of if you don't send Roseman Gannon in a break ahead, and yeah. Manley was climbing better than Roseman Gannon today, I think, um, then you have to wait for the domestiques to come back. It's a steeper descent. It's not as long to the finish. By the time you've waited for the domestiques to come back, who might be a proper, you know, 35 seconds back, you're not going to bring that back. So yeah. having Roseman Gannon ahead before anticipating seems to me the only way she could really help after corkscrew and uh, getting her in a break. And I, I think Trek should deny that. <laughs> um, or Trek should have their own rider in the breakaway. Like Chapman should go in the breakaway and then she can help Sprat yeah. on the descent. Like when yeah. we saw Jumbo Visma and UAE each putting their own, like on the foie stage, um, uh, the one, no, Murder Pagur, McNulty was in the break and Wout Van Aert was in the break. Both for the same reason and it neutralized it. Um, I would, Trek should almost think, okay, well, today Sprat attacked and couldn't gain any time. Because of the descent, let's try and but then you need Chapman for the uh to do all the to the lead up, right? Um Yeah. So maybe they'll see a Hansen in the break again. Well then again, Hansen has been really strong and it wouldn't surprise me if she's still there at the foot of Corks when she could do that. Yeah. The the first lead up. Because to make a decent gap, Sprite needs to go early on Corks way. She can't wait until like the last five hundred meters and then yeah, make the snap. I expect her to make the move at least one K from the top. 
although I don't know where the steepest spots on Gork 2 are. So where where would you say that the steepest spots are? Is it at the start? Is it in the middle towards the end? With about 1k to go, went through the switchbacks, super steep. Really, really, really steep. Okay. That's where she'll attack most likely. She'll probably even just start doing tempo herself before then because it's 9%. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if she, before the hairpins, already moves to the front, yeah. just starts pacing herself because her teammates might not be able to set as hard a pace at that point. Um, but yeah, it's a really interesting GC position with Brown still in the fight, with the best climber, the furthest back on GC, Amanda Spratt with the Dev's Descent finish, with Jacob Alula having the lead, and a second strong rider relevant on GC in Roseman Gannon. I can't wait to see it uh, tomorrow. It's like, yeah, really interesting. Um, who do you pick, Benji? Who winning GC? Like, brain says Spratt, but I'm going to go for... I'm going to go for Manly. I want to be the difficult guy on this podcast. I think, yeah, man, like, I know it's, it's a great little parkour design, isn't it? Because it's really fine yeah. balanced. I think Spry is going to do a Cadell Evans on, on corkscrew and just terminate everybody. Like, I think she's going to go in those switchbacks. Yeah. It's going to be good night. Anyway, like maybe I'll be wrong. Jake Olu will be chasing. Can't wait to see it. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. As always, thanks to Zwift. If you're in the... In the Adelaide region, I should mention as well, uh, I'll be at the uh, Specialized Map Zwift event on Wednesday afternoon as well as the Zwift party on this Friday. So go and check that out. Uh, I think it's the on Zwift Front party. Street. Yeah, the Zwift party. Well, la, 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 la. Sounds pretty cool. I hope so. I'll be there, so of course it will be. <laughs> <laughs> the, biggest extra, the biggest extrovert in cycling. as everyone knows anyway if you're in Adelaide come say hello check it out and uh, we'll see you with the recap of the final stage of the women's race tomorrow ciao